Well, we are in this Advent series, um, and it's a series that we're looking at the book of Isaiah. If you were here last week, you know that uh, Carl was giving us this beautiful vision of peace, um, and we move forward in Isaiah's promises that not only will there be peace, but there will be justice uh, as well. Um, so I, last year around this time, Saturday Night Live, I watch Saturday Night Live pretty much every Sunday morning, all of the clips of it. Um, I don't stay up to watch it. I watch it on Sunday mornings. Um, and last year around this time, there was probably the funniest skit that I have seen in years on Saturday Night Live. So as soon as you walk out the door, Google it. But some of you may remember it. It was um, a, a skit with Matt Damon. Um, and uh, he was the guest on the show, and he and his wife at the time, uh, Cicely Strong is the actress that was playing uh, his wife, they were sitting on the couch, and they were talking about the best Christmas ever, and they were, it was Christmas evening, it was after all of the hullabaloo and all the chaos of what takes place Christmas Day, and they're sitting on their couch, and they're reflecting about um, this being the, with a glass of wine, you know, fire, everything's picturesque, it's beautiful, it just seemed like the per perfect Christmas. And they're saying, this was the best Christmas ever, wasn't it? And they go back and forth for a little bit. And then Matt Damon says something to the effect of, yeah, you know, I just had a smile on my face the whole day. And then the skit goes backwards and shows a flashback of that morning at about 5.40 when the kids come running into their room and they're screaming and the parents have had about an hour of sleep and they're ripping the covers off of them and screaming bloody murder and Matt Damon and his wife are sitting up and just like, stop. And then it goes back to, this, it goes back to the couple sitting on the couch and they're saying, yeah, you know, I'm just so glad that your cousin made it over for lunch, that he was able to make it. And then it shows a flashback of lunch and them getting into a giant argument about politics, about everything that went wrong in the world. And then it goes back to seeing them on the couch, and they're saying, yeah, you know, I just feel like I had the Christmas spirit the whole time. And then it's a flashback of Cecily Strong kind of trying to slip in a sip of wine every 15 minutes when the family's not looking and then sprinting to the next thing. And it's chaos. And it's wild. And perhaps they were either misremembering or maybe choosing to forget the difficult parts of that day. Sometimes when it comes to Christmas, I think we have a selective memory. Um, I don't know if that's true for you. That's certainly true for me. Sometimes we practice a little bit of nostalgia. Nostalgia, is uh, the definition of nostalgia is kind of looking back on the past through the lens of sentimentality, through the lens of uh, emotion, where we, we look backwards and we remember all the good stuff. Matt Myofsky is a pastor out in St. Louis, and he defines nostalgia as, um, uh, is the, well, he says that nostalgia is the art of making the past seem better than it was. I think nostalgia is looking backwards and remembering the good parts, but either consciously or maybe subconsciously, unconsciously, forgetting all the not-so-pleasant parts. A couple of stories from, from my past. I remember um, going when I was like three and four and five years old, going to my grandparents' house in Smithfield. We were still living in Florida at the time, and we were going up to Smithfield, and we get there, and we were so excited to see our cousins. There would be six of us cousins, and there were about 15 or 16 adults, and we'd all gather together for Christmas in my grandmother's house. 15, 16 adults, six kids in about 1,200 square feet with one bathroom for several days. 
Now, I just picture that as being cozy. I was, like, I remember it as just being a really comfortable, cozy time. We were all snuggled up. I choose to forget that we had to wait in line and sign up for the bathroom to use two hours later because there was only one bathroom for all of us or that there was nowhere to sit for the Christmas meal. You had to sit kind of at the card table in the living room tucked in beside the Christmas tree. There was no room. I also remember the time that we got our Nintendo. Um, I was six years old, and it was great. It was the most exciting Christmas of our family's like, memory. We all loved the fact. Me and my sisters were so thrilled that we got the Nintendo. What we forget is the day-long, week-long, month-long fight that ensued about who was going to get to play it when. There's a way in which we remember all of the good parts of Christmas, and sometimes we forget some of the difficulty that it took to make that Christmas happen. I think sometimes we forget when we're looking to this Christmas all the work that might take place to get there. We have this vision for what our Christmas is going to be. We all have that Norman Rockwell painting picture of what Christmas lunch is going to look like. You forget that if you're going to have that Norman Rockwell painting, you've got to wait in line at Harris Teeter, and you've got to go back to Harris Teeter because you forgot something two or three times in a row. You have to put up with Cousin Eddie and all of his nonsense, both before and after the meal, and just kind of suffer through his miserable conversation. If you're going to have that perfect Christmas morning, which we all envision, that one magical moment, you... you you have to remember that it's going to take some planning, ordering things in advance, assembling things in advance, wrapping things in advance, and there might be stressful moments in there. It's almost like we have a nostalgic view of the future and what our Christmas will be. All of it is worth it in the end, don't get me wrong, all of it's worth it. But like the parents on that couch in that Saturday Night Live skits, there are some parts that we either forget or we just choose to not remember. If we're not careful, we can read this passage from Isaiah that we're about to look at this morning and, and look to the coming of Christ, look to that day of peace, look to that day when all shall be well and all matter of things shall be well, and we can forget the work that it takes to get there. The passage from Isaiah that we're going to look at this morning actually has a visual graphic that we're going to show uh, for you. It's a, it's a picture, it's a painting by a guy named John August Swanson. We looked at Swanson earlier this year um, during the summer, um, and you saw, it, uh, you saw one of his paintings earlier this summer if you were here for our summer series. Um, but John August Swanson has this beautiful image of what that peaceful kingdom, that thing that Carl described last week, that peaceful kingdom will look like. So as I read the passage of Scripture, I'm just going to invite you to look at the picture on the screen. The passage of Scripture is Isaiah 11, verses 6 through 10. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze and their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy one another on my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is a beautiful image of what Carl was talking about last week, this peace that is promised to us, that peace is promised to us because of the coming of Christ. In this image, you can see that there, there no longer is a wolf that desires to eat the lamb. 
There's no longer a lamb that is terrified of a menacing wolf. You can see that enemies can peacefully coexist with one another. You can see that predator and prey can live together in peace. With our nostalgia glasses on, our vision for what that day might look like, it would be great to just jump ahead to what this picture will be when Christ comes the part where enemies live in harmony, we love that part. We love that there's no predator and prey any longer. They're just friends that live in peace. This is what the coming Messiah uh, promises us, and this is what we long for, the wolf and the lamb. But if you've ever been a lamb before, if you've ever been innocent, if you've ever been weak or less powerful, if you've ever been feasted upon by a wolf, you know good and well that, whoa, whoa, whoa. Before we can just jump ahead to this image, we need to set some things straight. We need to talk about this. We can't just let all bygones be bygones. We need to set some things straight, and there, a change has to occur. And according to Isaiah, indeed it will. Hear this promise from God, which comes to, from Isaiah just before this image, just before this vision of peace. These are literally the five verses before the peaceable kingdom. It's uh, Isaiah 11, 1 through 5. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked." Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. And then it continues, the wolf shall lie with the lamb. And we get this image. In other words, yes, Isaiah and God promised there shall be peace, but there shall also be justice. Justice is a word we don't often hear in Advent, largely because we have this nostalgic, forward-looking view of peace, just focusing on the good and kind of forgetting the stuff that we don't really want to talk about or that we don't want to focus on when we just want to focus on the pretty paper, the packages under the tree, the twinkling lights. If you've been a lamb before, you know that sometimes justice has to be in place before you can ever experience peace. There's a quote uh, throughout the civil rights movement. You've probably heard this before. It's often attributed to MLK, but really it could be attributed to Isaiah in this exact passage. It says, without justice, there can be no peace. Without ensuring that all can dwell in safety, that all are protected, that all the needs of everyone are ensured or promised or lived into, there can be no peace. I'm reminded of this scene in Christmas Vacation. So, A Christmas Vacation, another one of my favorite movies. Um, there's a scene in Christmas Vacation towards the end of the film. They're on, it's at Christmas Eve, and um, Clark Griswold is, uh, is anxiously awaiting a package. He's waiting to receive his Christmas bonus. And so he keeps checking the mail, and he keeps checking the mail, and he's waiting for this bonus. And if you remember, he had a vision for this swimming pool that he was going to build in his backyard the swimming pool that he deserved, that he earned, that he had worked tirelessly for, and the Christmas bonus is going to pay for it. 
And then Clark all of a sudden gets the package at the last minute on Christmas Eve when the family is all there and the family gathers around and they're waiting to see what this Christmas bonus is going to be. And he opens it up and it's a Jelly of the Month Club membership. Not this $1,000 or whatever it might be bonus that he was hoping for, that he was wishing for, that he believed that he had earned. He believed that was justly his. He didn't receive it. Instead, his boss, who Cousin Eddie later goes and kidnaps, his boss is kind of living his fat cat life, not caring for Clark's work, feasting on Clark's work, not giving him his due. It's a more comical and first world example of justice of someone who feels that they have, uh, or someone who uh, has earned something, deserves something. But you and I both know there are other predators, not just Clark Griswold's boss. There are more serious predators in the world. There are political predators. There are sexual predators. There are financial predators, economic predators that feast on us. And, and we hear a lot about them in the news If you've ever been a lamb before, justice is a really good Christmas message this Advent. It's a promise that when the coming of Christ happens, all of our needs will be met, all of our desires will be met, and justice will be present for all people, all persons. Up from the stump of Jesse shall spring forth a new ruler who will govern with justice, ensuring that those who are wronged and those who are poor and those who are lowly will be raised up and cared for. Those who are powerful and wicked will receive justice. It's good news for the lambs of the world. But here's the catch. If we have those nostalgia glasses on, those holiday glasses where everything is bright and rosy and comfortable for all of us, we might kid ourselves into thinking that we are always on the nice list, that we're always on the right, that we are always the lamb. We're never the wolf. We're always the one that is compassionate and kind. We're always the one that's too powerless to really hurt a fly. We have a tendency to think of the world in black and white, so oftentimes we just divide human beings into two parts. We say, here are the wolves and here are the lambs. Here are the right and here are the wrong. Here are the powerful and here are the powerless. When the reality is, is that the world is a much grayer place than that. And so this Sunday, when we talk about Isaiah and the peaceable kingdom, thank God for that Cousin Eddie-like character that always comes barging into our lives two weeks before Christmas, to throw off our entire joyful party and all the pleasantries of Christmas, that person that has just one message of repent, that voice in the wilderness, John the Baptist. John the Baptist comes in and he really just proclaims, repent, turn. And we might think that he's speaking to one group of people because he does call the Pharisees a brood of vipers. Not really the kindest word. He does say that they are a brood of vipers. They're really wolf-like. They're just feasting on the poor. And we might think, oh, he's speaking to the wolves. But John the Baptist speaks to everyone who comes to the manger. John the Baptist speaks to everyone who passes through Advent because in the eyes of John the Baptist, there isn't, the world isn't black and white. There aren't just wolves and lambs. He sees human beings that all have a little wolf and a little lamb inside them. 
they're not two different people. There's parts of both in each of us. And so he calls us to repent. He calls us to pull together the peaceful, to create that peaceful kingdom, that peaceful kingdom inside us, that place where the wolf and the lamb can live together in harmony. And it comes through repentance. Isaiah and John's message for us this Advent is pretty much the same. It's without justice, there can be no peace. And thank God that God promises that. Because sometimes it feels like we just might not get there. We just rest on our hope for it. But John and Isaiah both know that it's not just God who will bring it. Yes, ultimately it will be God who brings it. But John and Isaiah invite us in to say, help make it possible. Help bring about that justice. Help bring about that peace. The promise of God is that this day will come. There will be peace and there will be justice. We can be assured of that. But we're invited to live into that day to prepare ourselves to make his path straight in our lives and in the world around us. So maybe this holiday season, we set aside the nostalgia, we set aside the kind of not fully accurate memories or not fully accurate expectations, but we live to not only into the season of peace, but also the season of justice. May it be so. Amen.